Hey, I'm Matt Simpkins, pastor of Christ South, and this is our podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope this builds you up. I hope this helps you in your faith. I hope this helps you to see God at work. We'll see you at the end of the podcast. Join us for that. We're reading scripture. We're doing this. Exodus chapter 20. I want to invite you to open up. I'm reading the NRSV this morning, and, uh, and here we go with uh, verses 1 through 11. This is Exodus chapter 20. We're just going to dive right into scripture today. Then Jesus spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven or above or that is on earth below or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing children for the iniquity of parents of the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. This is the word, no, we keep going, sorry. You shall not work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For the six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and he consecrated. This is the word of the Lord, to which we say, Thanks be to God. Sorry to stumble over that. They have these giant articles. This is a really cool Bible. I, uh, I grabbed this one. This is the Connect Bible, and it's one of the ones that we give to our kids. So uh, I think during confirmation courses, they get this Bible. It's a really cool Bible, but it had this giant article in the way. The word of the Lord to which we say, thanks be to God. We'll get through it one way or the other. COVID time, man, we're going to get through it. I've learned a few things over my 40 years, plus, hush, it's 40 plus, but whatever. Learned a few things over my 40 years. I love to cook. Anybody love to cook? Excellent. I also love time with friends. Anybody like being around friends? Anybody miss being around friends more regularly? Come on, say yes. Also, I realized that I'm not great at sports, but I love playing them. (laughs) I mean, like, I got, got, when I was a little kid, uh, the award that I got was, uh, it was on my baseballs. It was most enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, I man, I don't know. I do need, I also realize that I do need mat time every once in a while. Like I, I'm, a, I'm an out there extrovert, but I got to have my introvert time too. I kind of, kind of like right in the middle in a lot of ways. I also learned that I may not accomplish everything that I set out to do. I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. I thought that I would just accomplish everything, right? When you're 20, you got a giant list of things to do. You're like, well, that's the things I'm going to do and I'm going to be able to do it. So it's all good, right? I also realized, and probably this is the most interesting thing that I've learned about myself over the last 40 years, I am not great at like resting, like slowing down. Like I, I have trouble napping, but even though like, even if it's like, all right, dude, you, you are up way too late. You need to catch a couple of these. I can't do it. Like 15 minutes max if I'm doing it, because I'm like, I'm going to miss something. I'm going to miss something's going on. I like in the morning, I want to wake up. I want to know what people are doing. I just have trouble resting. And those of you that know me well, know this already. It's hard for me to sit really long because I get restless. So I rest less. Do you like that? You like what I did there? I get restless, so I rest less. <laughs> so 
my wife and I, we took the family, we ran over to Lutheridge, camp over in Arden, North Carolina for a couple days. Man, I just needed camp. I don't know about y'all, summertime, I'm supposed to be at camp. I, feel, I can't even figure out what month it is anymore. I just needed camp in my life. And we decided if we're doing this, we're doing this. So we did like a family campfire, complete with like skits and songs and a campfire. It didn't matter that it was 90 degrees. <laughs> we're doing this, kids. Everybody just, just get a washcloth and wash your face off because we're doing this campfire. It was awesome. We hit the two best restaurants in all of Asheville, Rocky's Hot Chicken and 12 Bones. It was amazing. Oh, my gosh. I ate so much food. And we decided to hike up Sam Knob. I think I got a picture of it for you. Hiked up Sam Knob. It was so awesome. It was just about the rain. And we were like, man, we're going to make it up this mountain. And somewhere along the way, I got in my head. The, the reality was it's like a 45 to an hour hike. But when I was like a teenager, I hiked it in 15 minutes with some buddies of mine. And I'm like, we're going to see if we can split the difference, family. We're going to do this. Like, it's just a small group of us. We can do this. I got Copeland on my back and the kid backpack. He's rolling with me. And I got about a third of the way up. And I'm just crushing it man I'm in my zone I'm like old school counselor handling this business and boom I kicked the snot out of a root and I broke my toe a third of the way up broke my toe but the best part of the whole thing was I'm like we're gonna make it I'm gonna make this thing happen because I know the rain's coming and we got to get up there I want a few minutes before the rain starts to really come and Copeland is sitting on my back talking about this little flower the whole way up just sitting there riding on my back, keeping me all together. I don't know if I would have been able to do it had he not been on my back. It was such a beautiful, beautiful moment hiking up that mountain to get a little bit of rest. But I, I got my 35-year patch. I don't know what it would, I'd put this on, but I got a patch for being there for 35 summers. That's crazy. Camp is my jam. But this time, we did something different, something I'd never done before. We floated down the French Broad River in an inner tube. You literally go to this place, and you get in an inner tube, and then you just sit there. Now, for a doer like me, this is really tough, right? Like, I got to have things to do. Like, I'm active. I want to climb the mountain and get down the mountain. When the lightning strikes on the two mountains away, I bring everybody and say, we got to go. And we hustle down the mountain. We get rained. It doesn't matter because we're doing our thing. We're moving. I wanted to figure out then, if we're going to be in a tube, we need to organize. We need to find some people are going to have paddles. And we got we to strap in these, these two to these two because we got strong arms on the far ends. We got to make sure that they're right where they are. And then the cooler everybody needs to have access to the cooler because it has lunch and other items and you want to make sure you want to make sure that everybody has access so I'm coming up with like a flower pattern in my head it's going to be like it'll be like the hub and spoke and everybody will be all around it'll be perfect we'll see who gets where strategy with who needs to get the paddle but I found this very strange thing happening throughout this entire process as I walked up with all my plans to organize and figure this thing out there were already plenty of leaders there were already plenty of leaders and so I didn't need to be in charge of anything. My job was to stand there and hold my son's hand until they gave me a tube and said, head down to the water, please. That was my job. And then this is the craziest part. I got into this tube. And you know what? I'm a big fella, but the river holds you up. I know it's a crazy concept, right? I mean, it's just science and all, but, but the river just, it holds you up. It takes you right where you need to go. My job was to just rest in the tube and let the river do the work and let the river take me where I needed to go. But it was so hard for me to do that. From time to time, I felt myself trying to kick the water, trying to get in the right place, trying to find somebody, hand me a paddle so I can get us back to this other part. No, 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 no. Just 
Let the river do the work. I remember the guide saying, and it was echoing in my head, just let the river take care of you. Just let the river take care of you. It's such a strange feeling for me. Such a strange feeling because the, the tube kind of went exactly where it was supposed to go. I was just simply there in like this state of relaxation. And as soon as I kind of let go of all the things that I had to do, all of a sudden I realized the beauty of God's creation that was around me. This magnificent river, hearing the conversations of the people as we floated down the river, laughing and smiling with family and friends, and all of that cool water when I got just a little bit hot that I could reach down and throw on my head. God's creation at its best. And when we were leaving the parking lot, got back into the car, I was so relaxed. Like we had to pull out onto this busy road, and I just kind of sat there for a minute, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. That was amazing. I could just live like this and all of a sudden, honk, right behind me. I'm like, oh, we got to snap back to reality. But they, they couldn't snap me into reality. I was just fine. I was changed. I was in such a relaxed I felt in tune in a way I hadn't felt in a long time. I was at rest. It was incredible. Now, this scripture that we read talks about a lot of things. But one of the things that gets lost in this so very quickly because it starts talking about should and shouldn't, you do this, you don't do that, is the very important word, Sabbath. Say Sabbath at home. Look at somebody say Sabbath. This state of relaxation in the arms of the Lord is holy time. It's holy like God is holy. And it's God commanded to take Sabbath rest. It's such a beautiful thing. But as we read Exodus 20... We can't fully understand it unless we look at the whole of Scripture. That's what we always say. Don't just take out a little snippet. Look at the entirety of what's happening and what's happened. Moses was called. Remember, we talked about it last week. That was like Exodus chapter 3, and then it kind of goes along. And in chapter 9, we still don't have the people out. It said, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And what a crazy and cool sermon we could do just on that one moment of why, why that even happened like it did. And they finally get away, and the, and the Red Sea is parted, and they go through the Red Sea and the Pharaoh's armies are all swallowed up and then they get hungry and they don't know what to do and God brings manna from heaven. I mean, so much has happened to just get us to this point. But God's people are out and they've been freed. But not just simply so that they can be free. God has a plan for God's people and its relationship. And one of the places that it begins is in Sabbath. Y'all with me so far? Everybody good? Everybody good in the house? But as I read this, y'all know I like details. I get stuck on details. As I read this, I got stuck because it said, I am a jealous God. Say that. Say that. Look at somebody in the eyes in your room or in the house today real quick. Say, I am a jealous woman or man. Say that right now. Go. It feels weird, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> Christina just looked over at Davros. Davros was like, I, okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't it kind of weird? It feels strange. It feels funny for God to say that. It feels sort of strange. Like, why would God be jealous? Can't God do whatever God wants to? Why would God be jealous? It doesn't look good on anybody, especially the God of all creation. So I was like, I got to call my buddy. I phoned a friend. You can phone a friend in sermons. I phoned my, my good friend, Dr. Corey Driver, an amazing, amazing theologian. He used to be our resident Hebrew scholar at House of the Rock in Atlanta. And just a funny guy and so, so brilliant. I called him like, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. I need you to help me out. What's going on here? And he said, jealous is a decent translation of that word, kanah. 
But zealous would probably be better. But the best of all of them would be impassioned. Everybody say kana at home. Go ahead. It means one who gets impassioned. Jealous is problematic because of what follows it, the way it kind of sets the tone for everything that comes next. I'm going to punish the children to the third and fourth generation. Come on, God. I mean, punish the children. You said, let the children come to me. It's all about the children. Don't, don't keep the children. Are you going to punish the children of the third and fourth generation of the parents that did something crazy? That sounds rough. This jealous is kind of thing. I kind of get stuck there, man. It's jealous doesn't work. But he said, yeah, yeah, but think about it just a little bit differently. Yeah, God is impassioned. But do you remember what it says right after that? God was impassioned, has steadfast love. It goes to a thousand generations. He says, but wait, there's more. Everybody say, but wait, there's more. That word doesn't just mean a thousandth generation. It actually means multiple thousands. To at least three or four thousand generations, God's love is that much more powerful. Let that sink in. God is revealing God's emotions to God's people. The Lord is making a point for them to understand how God feels about them. And we are a part of that same love. The frustration might be for three or four. That means that when God hurts, God feels it. And it matters. And it would make sense to them to hear it in that way to say, God hurts when we hurt God. But the love and passion is a thousand times greater. That's what they would be hearing in the midst of this, that God's love was a thousand times greater than God's frustration and God's people. That frustration is just a drop in the ocean in comparison. That's the point. That's what God's love looks like. See, because this is this beginning of relationship with God's people. They've been freed for what? Do you remember me saying it? Relationship. They've been freed so they're not stuck looking at another God. That's why he takes them and says, you don't have to have that God anymore, the God of the Pharaoh or the God of your own self-providence. I will take care of you. You don't have to turn away from this face because I will give you everything that you need. And my love for you is way, way, way stronger than my frustration. This is like, uh, it's like a wedding. God is so in love with God's people. You don't need any more gods. You won't need any other people in your life. I will be the one for you forever. And that theme follows. It's almost like a honeymoon, right? I mean, you think if this is kind of the wedding and you look at how a honeymoon goes, there's this great period and then it gets difficult. And marriage, dude, any of you guys that are married, you know, it's not all Disney as the fairy princess is kind of happily ever after. It, it's hard. It takes work. We're going to have a relationship, God says, and I'm going to be planning here how we're going to work together, how this is going to live. I know that from time to time we're going to fight, but we have to have a plan to know how to come back together. It's such a romantic gesture that God makes with God's people. Now stay with me on this. We're going to make this. We're going to make it work. This is how it's going to work. God's gift to us is this Sabbath rest. It's almost like Copeland on my back in the rainstorm and the lightning starts to hit. And now he's not hustling down the mountain. He's just sitting in this backpack. And so the rain is drenching him and he's cold. And all of a sudden, he takes this huge gasp of air. And I didn't know what was going on, but it was because he was so cold and scared of the lightning. And I just started saying to him, we got this, buddy. 
We're almost there. We're going to be just fine, and I love you so much. Daddy's going to get you home. Daddy's going to get you where you need to go. That's what God is saying to God's people. Here's how we're going to stay together. Here's how we're going to make it work. I brought you out of the hand of the Pharaoh. I brought you to me to rest. And that will guide everything else that I'm about to say. That moment of sharing that love, that deep and passionate love, is a description that goes forward from there for the rest of the Ten Commandments. I hope you never, ever hear the Ten Commandments the same way again. I hope every time you read those, you read those first few and see what that love looks like. I love you so much you won't need anyone else. I'll give you my name so you don't have to wonder who you're talking to, the familiarity of us being one together. And then I want you to begin by resting in my arms. Let me hold you and carry you where you need to go. This is a super romantic, beautiful, motivated by love, grows out of God's love relationship. Impassioned is such a human thing, isn't it? For us, it's so such, such, such a human thing. Anybody, uh, when they get real nervous, they start to blush and they, you, know, you feel your face get kind of flush, right? You, or like you're, maybe you're embarrassed or maybe you're, you're nervous or maybe you're really, really in love. Or any of you guys the folks that like your whole chest turns red you know what I'm talking about like everything from here turns red I've seen these folks that's what God is saying about us that God is so flush with emotion of love and for some reason we get kind of weirded out when we realize that God is very human-like but God created us in God's image so why in the world wouldn't we be able to understand God has such human characteristics? That's where we got ours, y'all. That's why we were created the way we were. So God was in relationship with us to make us, to bring us into relationship, to make us like God. And I get it. To hear that can feel a little funny. I get it. But this is a transparent God who's telling us exactly how God feels, then goes on to give them the rest of those commandments. But diving into those commandments, don't make another idol, don't murder, don't create adultery, <laughs> create adultery, whatever, don't do any of those things, don't this, don't that, all that stuff. If they're not couched in this, rest in me and my love, then we wouldn't understand how the relationship works. I have confirmation students. I have confirmation students that um, they, they do this thing. So like, so like as Lutherans, uh, typically uh, we baptize like infants, right? And they would be baptized. And then, and then we give those students an opportunity uh, to work through and learn about faith. So they can, they can dive into it and kind of grasp it. And then we give them an opportunity to say, do you want to continue to live in this covenant that God made with you in your baptism? And they say, yeah, I'm all in. They sort of confirm or affirm that faith. We have these students that they do this learning. And, 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 and for each of them here at this church, uh, we do a little interview. We get together with them and we just sort of say, hey, tell us about your faith experience. And we ask them a little bit about Lord's Prayer and these different kinds of things that are a part of the church. And one of the, my favorite parts is talking to them about the Ten Commandments and just saying, can you, can you name them? I mean, some kids can name them in order, and it's amazing. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Like, that's really impressive. I mean, Aaron could do it because Aaron's amazing, but I don't know how many other people in the room can name them all in order other than Aaron. Aaron's our little, little biblical scholar, man. He's okay, maybe French. It's the girls in the family probably. But it's hard to do. And these kids sometimes can do the whole thing. And sometimes kids can't, but they can at least tell me some things about them. And we walk through those Ten Commandments. And I say, tell me one of the Ten Commandments and tell me what it means to you. 
And they'll take one like, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And I'll challenge them all the time to say, well, what's the gift in that? And they'll be like, uh, I, I don't, I don't say bad words or uh, like, I don't, I don't know what's the gift. I'm like, no, that God gave you God's name. And if you look at each and every one of the Ten Commandments, they are full of that gift. And for some reason, we always see them like some, some old lady with a bony finger pointing at you or those giant commandment stones that sit out in front of like a courthouse in a super conservative state or something like that. But that's not what this was for. This was the beginning of relationship. This was almost like saying, hey, we're going to be married. We're going to work together. Let me just pour out some gifts for you. Take care of your mother and father because I'm going to put people around you that are going to support you and lift you up. If you have a spouse love and adore that one and that one only that's all you will need turn your face toward them like i'm turning my face toward you each one of them is a gift so beautiful so grace-filled so impassioned in love with us and that's why brothers and sisters we were set free that's why he set them free that's why god set us free is for love relationship in love. It's because God loves us so much, so deep, so strong, so full of hope, and it is couched in that rest, rest in my arms. That's why God puts that there for them and for us and for me, the one who needed to hear it this week, the doer, always trying to figure it out, always trying to put everything in order, making sure I got all my ducks in a row, feeling all kinds of out of whack when I don't have everything put out in all the different pieces, all in lines, and I get all worried about my failings and the places where I have shortcomings, and God says, no, I love you. Rest in me. Rest in me. Rest in my love. Remember that I brought you to me, and I'm so passionately in love with you. You don't need to have any other gods. I'll be your everything. So rest in my arms now and forever. Rest in me. Rest in my love. Let me take you down the mountain when the rains are coming around you and the lightning is striking and you're freezing cold. Hear my words. Child, we're going to make it. I've got you. We're going to get home. Rest in me. Rest in my love. Let me carry you down this river. When depression sets in, pain, loss, anxiety, even your own actions, rest. Let go of the paddle. I'll get you where you need to go. Let me guide you. I'll never forsake you. Rest in me. Rest in my love. My love. My bride. Rest in me. Rest in my love. All right, I hope that was helpful. If so, I ask you a couple of things. One, share this with a friend so that they can hear some good news in their life too. And if you want to continue that impact beyond, we ask that you go to ChristSouth.org to the online giving tab and give to this ministry so that we can continue to share this with others. We'll see you on the next podcast or maybe in person at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings at Polo Ridge Elementary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Blessings and peace. Have an awesome week.